Hello and welcome back to the Church of Jesus Christ study session with Come Follow Me. I'm your host Matthew Roberts and this is series 2 episode 182 of this daily podcast. Thank you very much for listening today and thank you for those that have given some feedback by email for this podcast. It's great to hear some from some of our listeners and uh, hear the appreciation that's been given for this podcast. It, it really spurs me on to keep going and and to keep studying and to um try and share what I've learned from with you. Uh, and of course, it'd be lovely to hear some of thoughts on what on what you've been studying on the uh, on the Facebook group or by email. Uh, and I'd love to share some of that in future podcast episodes. Today, we're going into June the 29th to July the 5th in our Come Follow Me study, covering Alma chapter 23 to 29, and they did never fall away. Um, and we'll begin with a couple of sections. Um, there's the section covering Alma 23, 1 to 5, but I also want to cover a bit of uh, Alma 23, 2, 25 and chapter 27. My conversion to Jesus Christ and his gospel changes my life. And I just, I'm putting these two together just because I think they were quite similar uh, and they were also part of the same section as well. So uh, it helps. Uh, we're also looking at how when God's children accept the gospel, great blessings flow. Now, uh, with this study, uh, we're going to start with verse 3 of Alma chapter 23. At this stage, the king of the Lamanites has sent a proclamation throughout all the land of the Lamanites to allow uh, Aaron, Ammon, Omner and Himni to go forth and to preach and to uh, teach the people in their homes and their synagogues, and there should be no physical harm done to them. In verse 3 we read, And thus they might go forth and preach the word according to their desires, for the king had been converted unto the Lord and all his household. Um, therefore he sent his proclamation uh, throughout the land unto his people, um, that the word of God might have no obstruction, um, but that it might go forth throughout all the land. Uh, I love that because, you know, I think sometimes, and the manual brings this up as well, how can we uh, make sure there is no obstruction no obstruction in our lives? And we'll talk about that a bit more deeply when we look at weapons of rebellion as well. There seems to be a real message here that we need to lay things aside so that the word of the Lord can fully penetrate our lives. And if we're looking for those personal messages, then this is surely one of them, that we should have no obstruction in our lives to the word of God. Um, we should prepare, you know, sacred places in our lives, sacred moments where we can sit and regularly draw upon uh, the things that the Lord has to teach us. Uh, and so that is surely one of the things that uh, we should be looking for to receive in our lives. Um, there is also um, the, 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 rem the reminder that these people or the, the, the households that's being spoken of, obviously King Lamoni's father, King Lamoni's father's household is, is mentioned, but also we're talking about other Lamanites' homes as well and how this conversion changes their lives. Vicky v. F. Uh, Matsumori said this, quote, The sons of these people of Ammon were the army of Helaman, who helped fight the non-converted Lamanites. So the strength of the army of Helaman really began with their parents, who were the people of Ammon. They were the ones who first learned the gospel from the scriptures. They were the ones who learned about the power of prayer. And they were the ones who first made and kept covenants with the Lord. And just as it began with them, so it begins with you. Uh, close quote. I love this because it points out the impact that, um, you know, conversion has, not just to the people who are converted, but also to their children and the legacy that it leaves uh, in their lives and their children's lives and so on. 
It carries on, uh, and there are many thousands, there are thousands that are brought to the knowledge of the Lord, we read in verse 5. And then in verse 7, we read this um, this verse, how they're changed. One or another way they are changed. Uh, it says, for they became a righteous people. They did lay down the weapons of their rebellion, that they did not fight against God anymore, neither against any of their brethren. And it's this phrase, weapons of rebellion, that we want to focus on, because it is that that uh, we begin to learn what else we can apply from this story into our lives. We are often asked to consider what weapons of rebellion do we have in our lives? What things do we um, keep in our lives? And we're obviously one of these things could be potentially sins or actions that we that we continually decide to make. But also it, it's just, you know, a case of um, other mindsets or thoughts that we have um, that could be counterintuitive to receiving the, the spirits of the Lord in our lives. Um, it could be the small choices each and every day that we don't really recognize are drawing us away. It could be use of our time doing things that perhaps do not draw us as close to the Savior as perhaps doing something else would. And I'm not, and I'm not talking about reading our scriptures for every minute of every day, but the small moments of, you know, instead of doing some sort of activity that doesn't give us any um, intellectual or spiritual or social or, um, or any other benefit like that, doing something else instead of that which is better which can give us a spiritual or intellectual or social or anything else you know that's part of our life uh, benefits um elder david a bednar said this quote to set aside cherished weapons of rebellion such as selfishness pride and disobedience requires more than merely believing and knowing conviction humility repentance and submissiveness precede the abandonment of our weapons of rebellion do you and i still possess weapons of rebellion that keep us from becoming converted unto the lord if so we then need to then we need to repent now close quote and a reminder that repentance isn't this all doom and gloom action. In fact, if anything, it is an exciting, ennobling and empowering action, which means that once we do it every day, which we all should be, no matter who we are, we can identify ways we can change slightly and come closer to our Heavenly Father. It's doing those daily acts of repentance that will help us to overcome any challenges that we have in our lives and any weapons of rebellion that are, are inhibiting us from making that progress. As we move on, uh, we, we see the, the lands that were converted. So obviously Madonai, which is um, one of the lands that they went to, that we know about the people on the land of Ishmael, which is obviously the, the land of King Lamoni, uh, and many others as well. But what is interesting is those that are not converted. In our 23 verse 14, it says, And the Amalekites were not converted, save only one. Neither were any of the Amulonites, but they did harden their hearts. And also the hearts of the Lamanites that, that in that part of the land, what, wheresoever they dwelt. So it's interesting what also is, you know, the opposite. When we talk about conversion and the impact it can have on our family and those that we love, uh, it also can have an opposite effect. The, the people of the Amalekites, we uh, are, we believe, are the people of Amlesai who split and, um, you know, left the, the Nephi population in our chapter two. So, of course, these people... Uh, will have had living memory of being part of the church, uh, and yet they um, decided to go away from the church. And the people of Am the Amulonites are the descendants of the the priests of King Noah. Um, those uh, priests that went away and began their own lives, and amongst the Lamanites, they they will be those people. Uh, and so I, I'm not sure that they will have. Well, I suppose that Alma, the elder, 
was living at the time of Amion, and so it's only one generation away. So it's, again, very much living memory uh, of their time with the Nephite population as well. Uh, and so these people were not converted. And it's interesting how it's often individuals that did have a knowledge of the truth who have gone away from it that often do have this um, negative reaction to it. And, but what I found also interesting is that it's not just them, but it's the people or the hearts of the Lamanites who lived in their, in their land as well. So those Lamanites, um, whether it's through their choice or the, the words of the, um, the people they were living with, decided not to, uh, to partake of this gospel. Now, uh, as we move on from that, uh, we have named all the cities of the Lamanites in which they did repent. Uh, and then in verse 16, the king is desirous that they have a different name. In verse 16, it says, And now it came to pass that the king and those that were converted were desirous that they might have a name, that thereby they might be distinguished from their brethren. Therefore, the king consulted with Aaron and many of their priests concerning the name that they should take upon them and that they might be distinguished. And in verse 17, we read, and it came to pass that they called their names anti-Nephi-Lehi's, and they were called by his name and were no more called Lamanites. Now, this is a particular interest because obviously in our language, the word anti means against. Uh, we, I believe it's derived from a Greek uh, root of the word. And so for, for many of us uh, reading this, we might think, well, why have they called themselves anti-Nephi-Lehi's? And certainly that the word anti does appear in the Book of Mormon in the form of antichrists. Um, so it's clear that there is a recognition of this meaning, but that leads us to wonder, then why do they call themselves seemingly against Nephi-Lehi's? Well, I'm going to leave it there for this episode today because the answer to this is a bit lengthy and I'd want to do it justice. So if you're interested in finding out why they are, why exactly they are called anti-Nephi-Lehi's, there is some research into uh, kind of the linguistics of the Hebrew and Egyptian languages, which lead us to think that there may be well another meaning for this, this English translated word of anti uh, which, of course, backs up the the, um, the proof that the Book of Mormon is of reformed Egyptian origin. So, you know, that's uh, an interesting insight there. But I'll leave that for tomorrow as we are well over 10 minutes now. Thank you for listening to this podcast episode today. If there's anything you've been studying, please share it at Matt S. Roberts 90 on Twitter. You can email ldsstudysession at gmail.com for your feedback. And, for, and if you're interested in joining in a future podcast episode via Zoom, and of course, there is the um, the Facebook group, which I'd love you to join, Church of Jesus Christ Study Session with Come Follow Me. There are over 100 people there. And we're sharing thoughts each day and sharing insights. And it's great, uh, a great platform to uh, to share your thoughts. Thank you for listening. And until we meet again. <laughs>